Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thank you, Gunner. Appreciate it. Y'all have a seat. Welcome this morning. So glad to have you. If you came because you heard last week's topic, I got bad news for you. We're not talking about sex today. All right. But we are glad that you are here and so appreciative of your presence and your encouragement. This church family has something special going for it. You guys love each other. You love our newcomers, and may we always continue that heart and spirit. Corey, I thank you for leading uh, one of my favorite old-time songs. He gave me a song, a beautiful song, and reminded us also of our our call to carry the cross. And Brian, thank you for your words about communion. Um, Years ago, I had an LTC group of teenage boys that made that section of 2 Samuel 23 into a video. And I don't recommend this movie, but they took the logo for the movie 300, which is super bloody, and they flipped it around and they called the movie 003. And they made the most bloody, violent LTC, Leadership Training for Christ, video starring David and his mighty men. And then it was just 15 minutes of fight scenes. It was awful. But so I'm glad you called us back to Christ with that passage because that passage holds a weird space in my mind. (laughs) But we are glad that you're here today. Um, If you are new to us, we have a church app that we have our sermon notes on, but we also follow along with the bulletin, and you can follow along that way. But this morning, you've probably heard it said before, many different ways, you should practice what you should preach, or you should practice what you preach. And of course, I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's what Jesus did. It's what gave him authority. But this morning, we're going to flip that around a little bit. And just for two weeks, this week and then in a couple weeks from now, we're going to preach what we practice. And what we practice, most importantly, is what's on the back wall back there. And church family, we moved to wall number three recently on our baptism pictures in the past. All those pictures back there represent all the baptisms that have happened over the last four years in this church family. There's a wall here in our baptistry that people sign. It's getting filled up. And there is nothing like celebrating those nights and those moments, right, church family? There is nothing like being here on a Wednesday and getting to see one of our friends or teens or children come out of that water and we celebrate and we sing, I belong to Jesus. And we get to yell, Satan was defeated. And teens, thank y'all for leading us in that. There's nothing like Sunday mornings when we get to witness that as well or whatever night it is. Baptism is a special practice for us. But it's more than just a special practice. And we're gonna take some time to explore, not just for those that maybe don't aren't familiar with baptism, but to explore for those of us that have been around it maybe we're baptized decades ago to explore this deep meaning practice of the church. Because what we have in baptism is an immeasurably beautiful gift from God. It's this vibrant, deep display, not just of the grace and forgiveness that God provides, but baptism is a reenactment. It's a retelling. It's a summary of the story of God. And my favorite word, which I think is very biblical, Paul uses it, is it is a participation 
in the story of God. It is a participation in the best God has to offer. Gary Brashears is a name you may not be familiar with, but he is this deep, brilliant follower of Jesus. He loves the Bible. He's loved the Bible most of his life. He's a professor of New Testament Christianity at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. But Gary's not just a Bible nerd. Gary is also a deeply devoted follower of Jesus. He's an elder at his church and has been for years. And years ago, Gary and Sherry, as they were walking along the church family, serving Jesus together, they got involved with a group and a family that was needing help in their community. This family that Gary and Sherry got to know had older kids, much older kids. They had teens, but they also had one daughter, Cindy, who was an adult. Now, as they worked with this family, Gary and Sherry soon discovered that this family was very broken, completely broken. They came to discover that the family was active for generations in dealing with conflict through emotional and physical abuse. So over an amount of time, the church had to act as they started to discover the abuse that was going on, and CPS got involved, and soon these teenage kids were being taken to different homes. But their oldest daughter, Cindy, because she was already 18 or 19 at the time, had no place to go. She still lived in this broken family and had no means to try to make it on her own. And so Gary and Sherry Brashears opened up their doors to Cindy. Now, over time, it became very clear that Cindy was not going to ever feel safe or be safe if she was to return to her biological parents. It was not safe for her mentally. It wasn't safe for her physically. So even though Cindy was over the age of 18, Gary and Sherry began to pray about, and they decided that even though it would be by the time she was in her 20s, they decided to adopt legally Cindy. So they did that. They continued to give her a place, a new family. They opened their arms up to hospitality in her homes. But as she got to become not just a guest in their home, but became a brashear, they started to realize something that was going on. Now, Gary and Sherry had teenagers of their own. And I've been told that when you have teens in the house, sometimes there's conflict between adult and teenager. I've been told that's never happened in my house, right? <laughs> right. Except daily, right? Well, Gary and Sherry started to notice that as they would have conflict with their own kids or there was something going on, that Cindy would have this visceral response that if there was just any hint of difficulty or conflict, suddenly Cindy would clam up. And most likely what she would do was run up the stairs and she would sit on the floor in the corner of her room and just be completely absent. Well, Gary realized that as a type one perfectionist, he was probably handling conflict a little wrong in his house. But I love this story because here's what Gary tells it. Here's how he tells the story. He said this. He said he had to sit down with Cindy. And he sat there down and he said, I need to tell you, Cindy, that I need to change. 
I need to tone down my tone when there's conflict with my own kids in the house. But then he went on to tell her this, and this is what I want you to hear. This is great. He said, Cindy, you are now a Brashears. You belong to a new family. You are no longer part of what you once were. And all the trauma associated with your past life, that is in your past. You have been given a new name and a new identity. And then he said this, in this family, violence will never be an option. So when you feel scared, when you feel like things are going backwards, Cindy, I want you to remember you have a new name. That this family is safe and we are giving you a new identity. Man, I love that story. I love Gary telling that story because in so much sense of that story, that is our story. That is the story that is reenacted throughout the Bible here in the present and from out generations to generations until Jesus comes back. When we see somebody get baptized into Christ, we receive his spirit, we receive his grace, his love, his forgiveness. But you know what else we receive? A new name. Baptism is adoption into new family. I want us to grab our Bibles and see that this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. As we discuss today, baptism, for those of us that are familiar with this, with it and those that are not, baptism is introduction to new family. In a few weeks, we're going to look at how baptism is introduction to new allegiance. But in Matthew chapter 3, I'll tell you, what comes out of this story is this, is if somebody was to stop me and say, Jake, why don't you guys uphold baptism, such a high teaching in the churches of Christ? I'd tell them this. It's simple. It's really simple because the reasons we do it, among all the debate about baptism's meaning and more and the, and the depths of it, it's pretty straightforward. Jesus did it. And Jesus said, go and do it. Call me over simple, call me simple, call me, tell me I'm oversimplifying it, but that's what we see in Genesis, in Matthew 3 and what we see in Matthew 28. Jesus walked into the water to start his ministry, and when he left the earth, he said, Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And I think that's more than enough reason for the why of baptism. But today, we're walk, what we're going to get into is more of the how and the what happens with this new family. So when you get to Matthew chapter 3, what you have is John the Baptist. I mean, this crazy guy. A lot of people would love, I would love to spend an hour with John the Baptist. I mean, I'd love to see this guy with the camel hair, locust eating, wilderness dwelling, calling people out, calling people snakes. I mean, this guy was wild. I like some of the descriptions and movies of him, but I'm sure we haven't captured who he was. But when you open up Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, J to the B as I always call him, is out in the wilderness and he is reenacting a story. There is symbolism on every word in scripture. He's preaching this message that the kingdom is just at hand and don't miss the context. He's there by the Jordan River in the desert 
symbolizing what God has already done and what God is going to do again. His actions of baptism and calling people to repentance is an action to say, just as God took people through the Red Sea and just as God took the Israelites from the wilderness across the Jordan River, so now God is calling people back to pay attention to him because there is one coming. In the wilderness, John is echoing and he's fulfilling this story, a story about family, a story of just as God took a country or a nation, which was really a family, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, through water, he's doing it again because there is a new reign of God coming where all people on earth can be brought into this family of a new covenant. So we pick up the passage with that in mind, with all, you kind of got to think all the Old Testament in mind. We pick it up in Matthew three thirteen, and the text tells us this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I think if you've ever felt unworthy to serve in some capacity, we can connect here. Man, John's been telling people, I'm un- I, I can't even tie this guy's sandals, right? And now he comes to John and says, I want you to baptize me. But Jesus replied this, let it be so now. In other words, let this happen now because it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Then here's what happens. As soon as Jesus was baptized into the water, out of the water, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. The Gospel of Mark says heaven was torn open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him or resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Now, I want to just highlight a couple things for our purposes this morning. And this is going to head somewhere this, today that I hope is very helpful. Jesus' reason for being there is multifaceted. He sums it up by saying, John, you got to do this because this fulfills all righteousness, which is another way of John, Jesus saying, this is the culmination. This is what God has been looking forward to. This is what the prophets have been talking about since the 7th and 8th century BC, 800 years ago, that someone will come and the roads will be made straight and people will come and they will flock to know God again. Jesus is saying here it's happening in this moment. God's reign is coming back. Hope has now arrived. It's the gospel, the good news declaring that everything now can and is about to change. This is what happens when Jesus is baptized. But you got to also notice the other layers here. And it's on the screen still that what happens in Jesus' baptism is an inauguration of a new family. Just as God's spirit hovered over creation in Genesis chapter 1. And creation began to pull. What happens? Land gets pulled out of water. 
So as Jesus is pulled out of water, the Spirit hovers over him. Jesus comes out of the water and the Spirit signals that although our sin has decreated the earth, through Jesus, God is recreating the earth. Recreation is coming this way. And just as God's Spirit hovered over creation to begin the story of God, now he's starting the reign and rule of God again. Then we hear a voice speak these words. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. And I want y'all to hear this. Baptism, what we see in Jesus' baptism is much more than a dunk in some water. Your baptism is much more than a dunk in water. It's so much more than a one-off salvation experience. It's so much more than a ticket to get on a train to get to a future home in heaven. Baptism, when we reenact it, when we trust Jesus in it, and when Jesus did it here, is a coming together of a story. It's all of God's purposes being accomplished in Jesus And then for us, it is us reenacting the story of Jesus, literally touching his death, burial, and resurrection. But most of all, if that doesn't make sense to you, baptism is adoption. It's saying you were once part of a family of abuse and brokenness. Now, you're a Brashears. Now, You belong to the family of God. Baptism is this adoption. It's adoption of what God wants to encourage and do for every tribe, tongue, and nation. A family that has now a new name and a better name that's living different than any other family that the world has to offer. And I really want to understand you all to understand this this morning. I want us to get our our heads around that when I was baptized, I'm not just coming to freedom from sin, which is awesome, amen. But I'm also getting a new family. And in that new family, I've got a whole new way of doing things. My old is gone, the new is here. And I wanted to do this to really hit home. So I've, I have I asked Hadley and Mari to help me out. Many of y'all know, of course, their story. They recently just completed Several months ago, the adoption story of Jalen. Jalen's here this morning. Hey, buddy. He's like, whoop. <laughs> but I asked Hadley to join me on stage. And Hadley, if you'd come up, I want to just ask, and I want y'all to hear about how the adoption story hits home with one of our families and how that connects with our story of coming to know Jesus. If you want to take a seat there, Hadley, I'll, I'll get this out of our way. I'm going to ask Hadley just a few questions, and Hadley, just share from your heart, and as long as you want to go, they can blame you for the long sermon if you want to go long or whatever Sounds it is. Sounds good. <laughs> That's right. So, but first, first question is, is what experiences and, and decisions led you and Mari towards adoption? So, as most of you know, uh, we had, uh, had Kinsley uh, right shortly after we got married, um, and we wanted to have, have a family. Like we, we wanted to continue growing our family. Um, as many of you know, we had, we had issues with continuing to, to have, have, a, have a family of our own. So we went through the uh, fertility doctors and everything else, spent years doing that. And uh, you know, it, it just never, never worked out how we wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it was one of those deals we just sat back and we're thinking, you know, well, we've done this, we've done this. What, what are we doing that why can't we be blessed to have a family of our own? So finally, I just, we just decided, you know what, let's just pray about it. Let's just see which direction that, that God leads us in. And uh, he ended up, he ended up making the plan for us. We actually listened to him. And, uh, you know, Mari had done a lot of reading and researching about adoption and about fostering and everything. And that's just, that's kind of what led us into the, the fostering side of it. And once we got into that, we found out that you could actually foster the children into adoption. So... Mm-hmm. That was uh, the one thing that we were like, you know what, these kids, they, they, need, they need that security. So that's kind of just why we hmm. went through that. But that's, that's, in a nutshell, that's, that's what got us to where we, yeah. we were interested in the adoption side of yeah. things. A lot so, of ups and downs with that too, right? Lots of ups and downs, yeah. yes. And yeah. Many of y'all are familiar with that story. Um, uh, it's interesting how you said he, he led us, right? Okay. Um, what, what's been some of the lessons? As you guys... Of course, made room for others. Started the process with Jalen <laughs> uh, in adoption. He can come up here if he wants to. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the lessons? What are some of the lessons that, that you guys have learned? Yeah, come, come on up here, buddy. Probably the biggest lesson that, that we've learned out of this deal is, um, you know, uh, these all these children, I mean, that, that we come across, um, that we've had the opportunity to have, um, they, they deserve the love. It's, it's something, it's something like, in in your earlier words, you were talking about, uh, the, uh, the guy was saying, Mario, you're going to have to get in. (laughs) Uh, sorry. Um, you're good. That's why we did this. We knew it'd be yeah. fun. Right. Live entertainment. Uh, no, really, probably um, just patience and understanding, knowing that 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 these kids. I mean, um, they're it's they're coming from a place that they're not used to having the love. Um, it's one of those deals you have to you have to know you have to be open and willing to to show them that it's just like like Luke, the other, the other little boy that we're actually fostering right now, you know, when we got him, he wasn't, he, he didn't know how to accept it. Like he was, he was real standoffish. And so it was one of those deals you, we just kind of, it's child by child kind of deal. But, uh, uh, just once he sees that it's okay and that he's, he's in a place that's safe, mm-hmm. that's secure. And he's, he's now he's opened up. I mean, he's, He's loving, he smiles, he laughs. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a blessing to see that. But that's probably the biggest lesson is just knowing that, that, the, that the kids have gone through a lot more than what you and I um, could ever imagine. And it's just basically just having, having an open mind and heart and patience, a lot of patience with them because it's, it's, it's trying. It yeah. really is. But, I mean, it's, it's a blessing whenever, whenever you finally get to them and they see and they're, they've got that comfort. You can just see the wall go down. Even even on little kids. I mean, you wouldn't think that a little kid, a little kid would have a wall, but I mean, he, they do. Yeah. And just to see that crumble and go down and then just turn soft. I mean, it was. It's it's been it's been a blessing. It's mm, amazing. Did you? I didn't give you this question, but no. you can just give me one word <laughs> on this or something. 
But I'm hearing that. Have you, has God surprised you by how much room for love he's put in you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really consider myself that much of a lovey-dovey kind of guy. I'm kind of the, the man kind of deal. But uh, through this process, no, absolutely. It's, it's really opened my eyes and softened me, my heart, a lot. Amen. Well, thank you for that. And, and last question here is, uh, and this one's tough, but it's, you guys, sometimes you have kids for just a few weeks, a few days. Sometimes it's been months. You know, we had Sam and, and those others for, for a while. But tell us about what you've learned or, or about the hope and trust you've had to learn when you have to let kids go back. I think that's the key thing. I think it's, it's the hope and trust, um, not in what me and Mari and our family has done with these kids, but just to hope and trust that, I mean, God has a plan for these kids. Like, he, he wouldn't have sent them to us if there wasn't a plan for them. And we feel like, yeah, it's tough whenever, whenever they've got to go. I mean, it is. But, you know, whenever you see, you see the other side and you see the, the mom and the dad um, that had their kid taken from them, you see, the, you see them change as well through this process, sometimes for the better and sometimes, sometimes not. But uh, to see... To see them change and then to see where the child was whenever we got him or her to where they are whenever they do go back home, we just, we know that, that God's touched us and has touched the children as well to where, I mean, I know that they're going to be, they're going to be in good hands. I mean, it's, I just feel like we just try and love them and bless them as much as we can while they're with us. So whenever they do go back home, they, they, they know what love is, and, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's tough, though. I'm kind of at a loss of words on yeah. it, but. That's good. Well, man, let's, let's give Hadley a round of applause. Thanks for that, man. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, brother. Wow. If y'all know Hadley and Mari and, the, and many other families, there's so many families I know that have been affected by this for generations of adoption through our church family. It's one of the best things we have going for us. What a, what a lesson. What a message for us. And that's why you guys heard in that story from Hadley why baptism as adoption is such a powerful teaching we need to take into our hearts. Because it is a new start. Hadley mentioned how, how it's difficult for that kid to know that it's safe here and you can be loved. Just like how many of us still struggle that with that in, in Christ, Right? I'm safe here. I'm safe to admit my wrongs. I'm safe to struggle. I'm safe to be weak. I'm safe to wrestle with sin. The Father has said, you're safe. But yet we still often don't believe it, do we? It's the beauty of adoption. You know, you've probably seen those signs. I don't know if they're still popular. I'm not into house decorating, so I don't know if these are still uh, popular. If you come to my house, all the decorations hung up have been done by my wife, although I sometimes try to take credit. My wife's really good at it. People will come in and go, wow, I really like how you decorate this house. And I'm like, thank you. You know, <laughs> it's all Allison. But it used to be for a while that there was these signs, wall hangings that said, in this house or in this family, we, you guys remember those? We speak truth, we forgive, we laugh, whatever it is, right? Well, I want to close with just giving us three areas that the Christian family, what we do because of our adoption, what it means for us to be adopted, 
Because all of us, as we're adopted into a new family through baptism, we become, number one, we are a family of radical acceptance. You heard this in Hadley and Mari's story. See, when you're baptized, and church family, if you've been baptized for 20, 30, 40 years, or just a few weeks, this is a lesson. It's a reminder. It's a truth we've got to kind of have in front of us that when we are baptized, God has made space for us at the table. Jesus is always interested in expanding the family. And it is a house of radical acceptance, a family of radical acceptance, because I'm not the one who makes space at the table. And we need this lesson because often what we become is guardians of the Lord's table. And we need to remember that that table is a table of radical acceptance. It's the table that washed Judas's feet. It's the table that extended him the Lord's Supper. It was the table that extended fellowship to Peter after his denial. It's the table that extended hospitality to the woman caught in adultery. It's the table that said to the woman who broke the jar of perfume and anointed Jesus' feet, she has a space. Who has been forgiven much, loves much. That is a lesson for all of us, a lesson for me. We are a people in this house, not talking about this building. This building is of no significance. In this house, we are a people that allow more space at the table because there's always room at the cross. And guys, it ain't your party. I was invited to it. I accepted the invitation of faith and was brought into the party through baptism, but it isn't my party. And when we start to think it's our party, we go wrong. We go wrong. You get a seat at the table and praise God we do, but you don't get to determine who sits next to you. So we are a family of radical acceptance. Second, we become and are becoming that in this family we practice radical selflessness. The host of the family welcomes us by washing not just our feet but washing us clean through sacrifice, through self-giving love. You've heard me say it before, but it is part of our vision. Together we follow Jesus for the sake of others. The reason that's our vision is we believe as a church that the church is at its best when it takes care of other people, when it gives itself away, when it's always looking for expressions of selfless love. And I think this morning we need this reminder The church, you didn't get at a spot at the table so that you could somehow dictate how the table looked like. You got at a spot at the table so you could be selfless, so you could invite others to the table. That's our baptism vow. In our baptism, we said, my selfishness is gone. It is the past. It is what was. And now what is, is I am now becoming more like the host of the family. 
think you see that in what Hadley just said. And Hadley, why I followed up with that question was, I think all of us don't realize the depth and the ability to be selfless until we try it, right? It's like that realization when you have your old child or when you adopt a child or when you go on a mission trip and you push against that that uh, comfort zone that we all have, you realize there was so much more love in your heart than you ever, ever even knew, right? And all of you that have adopted, those of you that have children, when they put that kid in your hands or that baby in your arms for the first time, all of a sudden you feel like the Grinch, your heart grows, right? What you thought wasn't there. But that's not just true in having children, teens. That is true when you learn to practice what you preach at your school. It's when you practice expressing your faith to other people. It's when you practice, I'm not just going to say I'm going to pray for my friend. I'm going to stop with my friend right now, even if it's in an uncomfortable setting, and I'm going to minister and witness through prayer to them. We push against the comfort zones that push against our hearts, and we learn to love. And then finally, we're not just a family of radical acceptance and radical selflessness. The church, because of our baptism, as we're adopted, is a family of radical trust. I want you to hear this, church. <laughs> You're about, we're about to get into midterms, election cycle, and then guess what? It'll come another two years. There's a lot of things to be scared about in our world. There's a lot of change that people worry about. There's a lot of things that our world tells us worry and and wring your hands over. But in this family, we are people of radical trust because the kingdom and the family we belong to is never in danger. Can I get an amen? We're never in danger. The kingdom of Jesus is never in danger. Every kingdom of the world is in danger. Kingdoms rise and fall. But the kingdom of Jesus will never fail. And so we belong to a family that has radical trust. Now, what we have to do is watch where we put that trust. But adoption shows us the way because adoption, and, and, and even the example of fostering shows us what it is, is you're planting seeds We're planting seeds. We're trying to foster people into the realm of Jesus Christ as we go through Canadian and Miami and Wheeler and Perryton and the surrounding area and we show good deeds. What we're doing is just loving people the best and then we have a radical trust of the Father who's a great gardener and his kingdom will not fail and what he starts, he will finish and what he has said said yes to, nobody can ever say no to and what he began will finish with his return and all things will be made new. And so we radically trust. And so this morning, I hope you've been challenged by one of those. Maybe it's radical acceptance. Maybe it's, it's time to let go, to forgive. Maybe you've been holding on to a grudge this morning and you're looking around and every week you're taking communion and you're taking it in vain because you're not forgiving your brother or sister. You're not considering the body of Christ. You need to remember that it's not you And it's not even their actions that brought them to the table. It was the actions of Jesus Christ that brought them to the table. It was his blood 
in his death, in his resurrection. And maybe you have to respond this morning in some way privately or publicly that it's time just to let go of selfishness. It's time to serve. It's time to go and uphold your baptism vow that says, I'm a cross-carrying Christian. And that is daily sacrifice. Or maybe it's just you need to trust again. The world has been turned upside down. May we be a people who radically trust in what God has done. If you need baptism this morning, man, we are here for you. That water is full and it is warm and it's kind of (laughs) clean. No, it's really clean, but it doesn't matter. There's no power in the water. What there's power in is our ability to not say I have some ability, but our ability to say I'm giving up. I'm letting God take it over. I'm dying to myself. I'm not becoming a Brashears. I'm becoming a Christian. I'm not becoming a Smith. I'm becoming a Christian and I'm getting adopted into the family of Jesus today. Whatever you need, we're here for you today. Elders will be in the back if you want to go pray with them. But we are thankful that you're here today. Let's stand together and sing with Corey.